Iesu Domie. Domine is Israel. Church in space. Welcome everybody to Church in Space in, in 3D. Today's episode is Space Monks. And you're wondering, what do I mean by space monks? Hey, Dave, what do you mean by space monks? I, I can read your minds. I know I know what you're thinking. I've been watching Obi-Wan. I think everybody at this table is in various stages of completion of Obi-Wan. That alone makes it sound like a sect. Uh, well, you know. Well. <laughs> this is what the Jedi Order is, right? They're literally space monks. Yeah. They're celibate. <laughs> supposed to be. Supposed, supposed to, to be. be, right. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be celibate. They meditate, right? And it got me to thinking about how many versions of space monks there are right mm-hmm. this is a religion and science fiction podcast and like this is one area where like religion and science fiction really do frequently merge right mm-hmm. there's a lot of overlap here like even in star trek's noticeably a religious universe the vulcans are basically an entire race of space monks mm-hmm. <laughs> right it's a very weird thing right they meditate they've got all these very religious practices mm, they have sanctuaries they have sanctuaries temples. temples they're all about logic but even their logic philosophy is geared around these very religious practices well, that kind of parallels reality because there's so much science now that has shown the benefits of meditation oh yeah now they generically are calling it mindfulness to take away that religious trapping of it. Mm -hmm. But mindfulness practices are basically entry-level meditations. Right. It's not unusual that a race that's purely dedicated to logic would meditate. I don't think they contradict... When I was a chaplain in the hospital, the director of chaplaincy always used to make us chart religiously. Wow, pastor's making a pun. Hold it, hold it, hold it. I think I've got that snare function here. We know a rim shot's happening because the light blades. But he used to make us chart pretty thoroughly. We'd be like, we're not the doctors. Like, why are we charting? And he'd be like, well, because I believe that religious stuff is actually discernible in health outcomes, that you can actually see where the chaplains interacted and not in their health outcomes. And that's how I justify paying our entire department, he said, as I go to the board. And that's why we've survived four rounds of staff cuts under my thing is because I I go and I present the data and I say, Mm -hmm. okay, this is the data and health outcomes. Whose health do you want to make worse? (laughs) Yeah. Like which floor do you want? This guy covers this floor. Which floor do you want to make their health outcomes worse? So yeah, I think there is a logic thing to that. Absolutely. But it's more about specifically with the Vulcans, it's getting rid of emotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. It's it's an odd religion. It's an odd monkish philosophy. (laughs) It is and it isn't at the same time because you think about what do Jedis try to do, right? Yeah. They try to strip themselves of emotion as well. Mm-hmm. They've got it more than the Vulcans allow themselves to. Mm-hmm. But it's the same purpose as the Vulcans. It's to control their emotion at all yeah. times. And that's why they forbid getting into romantic relationships because that activates passion. That's too powerful an emotion to control. Right. Attachment leads to greed. And- it's all about fear with the Jedi. Anything could be feared. It is with the Vulcans, too, right? They're actually afraid of their own emotions. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's why they, why they purge yes. them. I am watching the original series. Oh. And uh, there was the episode where Spock is stranded on a planet. Kirk only has like 48 hours to find him. Gets into space and then, as a last-ditch effort, burns up all the fuel yeah. so that he can be seen. And Bones has the comment of, 
that's not very Vulcan of you. (laughs) (laughs) I love the fact that Spock logically concluded Mm -hmm. that an act of desperation was the logical thing to do. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's what it is. It's about justification of your logic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can justify your emotions a whole lot easier than your logic. Yeah. There are other versions of this, like in other Mm -hmm. media, right? We've got other forms of like space monks wandering about in the universe, whether it's like 40K or like the emperor's soldiers are literally divided into chapters. (laughs) Yeah. The evil monks of Stargate. Yeah. The headless monks from Doctor Who, that the whole reason why they take off the head is because they want their monks to lead with their heart, not with their head. The head gets confused, Mm -hmm. so they just chop off the head. (laughs) Right. So he got this, which is interesting from like a religion perspective. Luther was a former monk, right? Yeah. (laughs) He's like a Mm -hmm. monk who gave it up. Like our tradition is always slightly... We're just cool monks. Let's just go with that. Well, we look at like actual monasticism, like a little bit askance. Not that we're totally against it. The Lutheran instinct is always to say, like, if you're called to do that, fine. You're, you can actually live out your religiosity in your everyday life. Because a lot of people will enter, like, the monastic kind of way of things because it's a better way. And in science fiction, the Jedi are clearly higher on the totem pole of galactic society than, mm. than everybody else's, right? And the Vulcans are clearly, like, better than the Romulans, <laughs> Functionally, Mm -hmm. the Romulans are the Vulcans who rejected the call to logic. Yeah. It was like, no, we're not going to live that way. Bye. Right. The reason Lutherans kind of look askance at it is that it often falls into like spiritual superiority. Mm -hmm. And I think you can see that in the way it works out in like science fiction properties. Like the Jedi are, and they even say this, don't they, somewhere in like episode two or three, that the generation of Jedi that are coming up as like it's starting to end are like arrogant. (laughs) They were talking about how it's like we're supposed to be peacekeepers and now we're soldiers or something along those lines. Right, and they're like in this generation's arrogant and superior. As a Lutheran diagnosing that, I would be like, yes, that's part of the problem with the monastic structure you set up is it inherently leads to that. Yeah, well, I would posit of any structure that holds itself apart, if you look at real human history, any group that pulls itself apart from the mainstream society and sets itself apart. Right, breeds... Yeah, the general society tends to then target that group and mm-hmm. blame them for everything. Yep. It never ends well. Right. Enclaves never have happy endings. Yes, it's hard to be enclave like that. Which puts the church like in an interesting position always, because like on the one hand, we are following Augustine's maxim, like we're pilgrims, we're resident aliens, you know, says mm-hmm. Stanley Hauerwas, right? We're not really citizens of this world. We're resident aliens, we're pilgrims, we're making our way from one place to another. So like, we are both like set apart, and yet we're also called to be here in, in the yeah. moment. And so there's this interesting like, balancing act that the church always has to engage in you sort of want to be like the Jedi. (laughs) You know, you sort of want to be like the space monks, but you also don't entirely want to be because you are called to be in it at the same time. That just brings up a great t-shirt we should do. Reality, just passing through. Yeah. Well, I mean, the resident alien thing just explains me and Dan, but doesn't explain you, Pastor. It really doesn't. (laughs) Not literal alien. (laughs) Immigrant aliens. Oh! Oh, oh, oh. Come on, people. Sorry. Immig- immigrant aliens. That's what. For a while there, you <laughs> yeah. were resonating with us. I know. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. I think your immigration status, not your species. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Only this group. Good to hear resident alien and think, oh, right, we're aliens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like only these two people. Our listeners probably think we're aliens too, given, given some of the tangents. Given the tangents <laughs> we go on. Yeah. Remember, this is our plan. We hide by being obvious. 
Why'd you have to say it? <laughs> Did that come out? I thought I was just telepathically <laughs> beaming that into you. Darn it. Darn it. You know, when we had to lose the antenna for these human forms, it just totally threw me off. Yeah, I know. The tails, too. I miss my tail. What's that short story where the aliens come and they're horrified that humans really are just sacks of meat? <laughs> I forget who it's by. Like, I don't even know. I actually read it in an English class in, in high school. But it was a short story about how, like, these two aliens were doing an investigation of humanity. and, and But they don't say humanity. They just say they're sacks of meat. That's mm-hmm. all they are. And they're like, how do they travel into space? They build meat canisters. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, well, maybe they just go through a meat stage, like, <laughs> you know, like these other aliens. And then they turn into proper electricity like all the rest of us. <laughs> and it shows it's like that's why aliens haven't made contact with Earth. Well, who wants to talk to talking meat? <laughs> oh, I love that. It's awesome. So space monks, you know, so I think really most of the problems the Jedi Order experience could have been solved if instead of like monks, they were like part-time monks. <laughs> Part-time Jedi. More Deacon-like. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Deacon's Jedi. Like, that's what we really need. Anakin, all Anakin really needed in life was to work part-time at a bar somewhere. <laughs> you know, or to be like a waiter. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is that that Jedi Order are a bunch of Catholics, and it should have been a little bit more Lutheran. Right, exactly. I think they needed a Martin Luther for the Jedi Order, and that would have yeah. solved most of their problems. Now, given that... Uh huh. Are there any monasteries in Lutheran? There are, actually. Yep. There's one in Michigan, actually. Yep. Hmm. The Lutheran Order of St. Augustine. Part two to that question. Mm -hmm. Do they make beer? They do not. Because as much as Luther loved beer. Right. And thinking back in his day, pretty much monasteries were where Mm -hmm. beer was brewed. Well, and the monks still, I mean... There's that one monastery in Belgium that actually produces like the Belgian yeah. <laughs> wheat ale that only releases like a couple hundred barrels every year. Wow. <laughs> it's a big deal to like get it. Yeah. Um, they do not, as far as I know. I, I know there's at least the one in Michigan. You know, I don't know like worldwide how many Lutheran monks there are. I also know Lutheran Franciscans. They take the Franciscan vows you know, like poverty and all that stuff, and they're Lutheran. So what you're saying is that we need to send the podcast to the Lutheran monks mm-hmm. in Michigan so they can hear our business ideas and grow. <laughs> and grow them. <laughs> and grow them. Make money off this podcast. Yes. Right, yes, yes. There will be a licensing fee. <laughs> <laughs> sure. It is at least a couple of kegs as, of the beer. It is as plausible a plan as any other to make money off this podcast <laughs> that we have had. Last one or two or three times ago mm-hmm. was about how we can make more money. Yeah, right. It was like, literally call us, folks. We have great ideas yes, for you. Which do. is still an open offer. Yes. We will correct your science fiction franchise if you, if you call us. Okay. You kept using Jedi as the mm-hmm. example. They're, they're the low-hanging fruit. They're the low-hanging fruit. Is there a common thread, do you think, between how... The monastic life is portrayed in sci-fi because there's that, there's Canical for Leibowitz, there's Stargate, and right. the Headless Monks, bum, 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 bum. It's Catholic, right? Like almost. It's either Catholic or it's Eastern, like Buddhist. Mm-hmm. Those are, seem to be like the two. There can't be other monks other than <laughs> there's Eastern Buddhist type monks and there's Catholic monks. Yeah. We talked about it on one of the early podcasts about why you don't see Lutherans in space, and it's because of the audience. Right, and we talked about there's like a mold there yeah. to like really... Could it partly be also because there's a mystery to true monastics, right? They disappear from regular society, yeah, and when they reappear, 
they're functionally a different person. I guess I would say our society thinks mysticism is strange and interesting. You know, it's weird and interesting at the same time. Mm -hmm. Any chance to add mysticism into the full scope of the story kind of makes it seem alien yeah. <laughs> in some way. So the Vulcans are very Buddhist. Yeah. To the point of almost falling Buddhist dogma you know, sometimes, <laughs> right? Like renouncing emotions is a way of renouncing yeah. self, right? If a Salok falls in a forest and there's no one there to hear. Right? <laughs> well, I think we've talked about, but like the Warhammer universe is like almost explicitly Catholic. Yeah. To the point where it uses like Latin terms for things. As is Canical for Leibowitz, where it's like literally about a Catholic order. Well, Canical for Leibowitz, I can forget, because it is about that. Yeah, that is that is its whole structure. Right, but like the Warhammer universe like is very strangely Catholic, you know? Well, the other factor that seems to be common mm -hmm. in most sci-fi franchises that have some kind of monastic order is they have powers. It's very, <laughs> very rare that yeah. it's just a standard, everyday, ordinary cleric. Right. Who can just recite the prayers, devotes his, his or her life to the prayer. The Bajorans are the exemption yeah. to this, but yes. Yeah. yeah, right. They have, and even the Bajorans, they don't have powers, but they have those orbs from the things in the wormhole. Yeah. From the prophets. Yeah, yes. right. Yeah. That seems to be a, a difference between our mundane reality mm -hmm. and the way monks end up being in sci-fi and fantasy. All you got to do is say a prayer and then you get superpowers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do in a way. But they're not superpowers. They're superhuman characteristics i would say more than superpowers yeah. it doesn't give me super strength doesn't give me super intelligence it doesn't give you that right momentary diversion <laughs> i was laughing about how this whole podcast is <laughs> is really like doing the youth the youth pastor thing <laughs> you know which is like like, you've heard about Obi-Wan. Let me tell you about Jesus. Oh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, we do it better, but I was laughing about it. <laughs> Somebody was trying to... I was trying to describe what we do here, and I described it. He's like, oh, you're doing, like, the youth pastor. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Like, fair enough. <laughs> a little bit. A little yeah. bit. <laughs> but... Well, a little bit more irreverence, right? A <laughs> little bit? <laughs> just, just a wee little bit. I think we accidentally pour a gallon in when it calls yeah. for a teaspoon. Yeah. <laughs> But back to, like, if I may do the real youth pastor thing, right? In a certain way, this is what forgiveness of sins really is, right? It's actually a big claim, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I announced to you the entire forgiveness <laughs> of mm -hmm. all your sins, right? Wow. You know, that's a big claim, actually. So as I have the authorities. Hey, where did we hear that? I don't know. I only say it every Sunday. I love that confession every As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ. <laughs> Except now you have to start doing it in that voice. We need to put reverb on it. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need a light show, too. Like, <laughs> giant spotlight. <laughs> put your hands out. Right. Flames burst forth. Right, from them. exactly. All right. We, we, we can improve... Worship budget. We know what we're doing. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> we just need $10,000. Pyrotechnics, lights. Which gets back to the superiority thing, right? Mm -hmm. That like they're monks because they have powers. Or they choose to be a monk because of the powers. Because of yeah. the powers, right? And it's like, that's almost the reverse of actual monasticism. That is the call of like Franciscans, right? Like to renounce worldly power. And even if the orders themselves had power which a lot of the, like tibetan buddhism used to rule tibet literally <laughs> so like even if the order itself gets power like individually it's actually about renouncing access to yeah. that power well so much so that you renounce your own self you renounce your own ego you're right. trying to just be one with 
the thing. Yeah. yeah. But by renouncing one power, you're gaining the other. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So by renouncing one power, you're gaining one that you choose to be better. That gives Obi-Wan, the series, a kind of nice, ironic twist. By rejecting being a Jedi, mm-hmm. he actually becomes more monastic, more of like a real-life monk. Obi-Wan becomes what we in Christianity call the desert father. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's this whole classification of guys in Christian history who like basically wander off into the desert because human society has become so broken mm-hmm. and they become basically like individual hermits out in the wilderness. You know, there's actually a whole peninsula in Greece, Mount Athos, it's called. It's the only place in the Western world still where women are forbidden to go. Wow. Only monks live on this peninsula. Hmm. That's it. It's actually, it's its own self-governing territory in Greece run by the church and it's hmm. only male monks. There are monasteries, there are big monasteries there, but there are also like a lot of the monks are just like random dudes who like live in a cave by themselves, wow. you know? Yeah. And so that's what Obi-Wan becomes very much the like Eastern Orthodox hermit out in the desert, literally in his case. Well, why do you think the Orthodox keep that peninsula so secretive? Because they're resident aliens. <laughs> <laughs> So now that we've established that all of Eastern Orthodoxy is just alien. <laughs> Eastern of what? <laughs> east of Beta Antares. Yeah. <laughs> what is Galactic East? We know what Galactic South is. Let's right. be real. Yeah. It's Earth. Yeah. <laughs> it's just hillbilly. We keep a Saturn V on cinder blocks in the front yard. Right. Yeah. I mean, we literally do put our space shuttles on cinder blocks. So I I was not really joking. <laughs> I've been to Huntsville. It's a good good point. That's literally all it is. (laughs) Even the thing that moves it out, the big crawler, it's really just a big cinder block with wheels. And it moves about as fast as a cinder block does in a strong wind. Right. (laughs) Yeah, you can walk and keep up with it. You can slither and keep up with it. (laughs) So if we come to wrapping up our discussion of of monasticism in space, right? I think someone wants to buy my house. I hate those. I want to buy your house. How much are you willing to pay? One dollar. Maybe more. Nah, I need a little more than that. Two dollars? I'd sell it for like three, but Renee would get really angry at me. Three dollars? That would be legitimate, both guilt and shame, if you sold your house to Drew for three dollars. <laughs> you can still live in it. It's fine. You can keep paying the taxes. It's fine. I'm trying to get you a way to get money, so because you could buy it for three dollars, then sell it for whatever it's actually <laughs> worth, and then you wouldn't have to work anymore. Oh, my secret underground bunker is worth more than three or four bucks. This is the way that we get him to actually read all the science fiction Ooh. we need him to read. So what we're saying is, we need to start a GoFundMe. So that I can just sit in the basement and watch and read a crap ton of stuff. Yeah. Okay. How do we do this? We just go ahead and post it on GoFundMe and right. see okay. who responds. It's the Drew Nelson charity case. <laughs> have Sarah McLaughlin doing like a really sad, <laughs> yeah. like, look at the, the eyes of the angels. Yeah, yeah, the right. of the yeah angels. videos of Drew looking forlorn. You're right. <laughs> He has no time to read science fiction. $2 can get you another science fiction book. (laughs) I actually do have that picture. See, we're ready. I guess where I would go with Space Monks is I get why they're there. Mm -hmm. The Jedi Order. I feel like they're not able to diagnose their own flaws. (laughs) Whether it's like the Vulcans, and this gets back to like the Vulcans need the humans. You know, Mm -hmm. like this is like the Kirk-Spock relationship. Like you need to get the monk out of the monastery you know, or else like they can't do their thing. Like the Jedi order are very, this is what Lucas was actually doing in 
the prequel trilogy, you know, that a lot of people miss out on. But like they're just as flawed Jedi flaws that as much lead to the Sith rising as the Sith power, you know, in and yeah. of itself, right? It's about balance. It's about balance and like their flaws that they don't have balance because they're so engaged in their thing. Mm-hmm. By choosing one power, not only are you taking yourself away from another type, mm-hmm. but you're unbalancing yourself so much to the point of destruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you no longer have a frame of reference. It's... Yeah. yeah. They're also always warrior, almost always warrior monks. What's the uh, Picard, the assassins, that only help someone if it's a hopeless cause? Oh, what are they called? They appear in Picard. They appear in Discovery. Kawat Malat. That's the name of the order. Kawat Malat. Okay. But that's a great example of a monk order that knows itself enough to be balanced. Like, mm-hmm. I'm only going to go help out the people that are absolutely going to fail. Yeah. yeah. But part of it is they go out into the universe. Mm-hmm. So they don't just stay in their, their monastery or their convent or sanctuary. They go yeah. out into the cosmos to help people. Mm-hmm. And they also recruit from outside. They're like aware of people on the outside who would make good recruits. Yeah. So. Maybe that was the problem with the Jedi. They just needed to demolish the Jedi temple. You know, it was like the centralized point was the problem. Yeah. You Become know? Jedi errants. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Think about how many bureaucrats there actually were in the Jedi Order. Someone who oh, had yeah. to make sure that, okay, so this Jedi is going to this planet. How are we going to make it fit in the budget? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they kind of allude to that in Clone Wars. Church is that way too, actually, right? I mean, like real organized religion is that way. Like there's a lot of clerics who like aren't actually out there pastoring. Right. Well, the Vatican Observatory. Right. A bunch of scientists. Right. The Vatican or just the whole Vatican. I mean, it's a giant bureaucracy. (laughs) It's almost like worship and mass or just kind of a side thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of get in the way on. And even in our church, right? I mean, this is this church's former pastor, Pastor Bob, right? He's an assistant to the bishop, right? It's actually like a bureaucratic role yeah. within the church. It's a good bureaucratic role. But it took him out of the front line. Yeah, active pastoring. So in that regards, I guess I would say space monks are often pretty real to life. You know, mm-hmm. that these organized quasi-religious things prove when they have bureaucracies. To them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like often these things are like they're warrior monks, mm-hmm. right? Which is like actually a rare form of... Like, yeah, we had, like, the Templar Order and, like, the Hospital Order, you know, which were, like, started as, like, fighting orders, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like, in the Crusades. But, like, actually, that's a rare form of monk to exist. In real life, uh-huh. are, are Shaolin monks technically warrior monks? Or is it purely martial art, purely an exercise for them? I don't know. That's a good question. Where's the line there, right? Because it's clearly an exercise that could be used for violence. Mm-hmm. By the same token, it's also an exercise that requires immense mental discipline. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting halfway. Yeah. Yeah. Doctor Strange, the ancient one. Mm, Yeah. Uh, Mordu. Mordu? Mordo. 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 Got it. Yeah. I got most of it right. (laughs) Right. And that's like explicitly, Mm. you know, he finds him in the East. It's Yeah. Yeah. It's all the stereotypes. Right. Right. That's like explicitly we do this. But again, they're warrior monks, right? Yeah. Like... Yeah, Strange's whole job is to defend Earth from evil mystic stuff. Mystic stuff, right? Uh, Wong's better. Yes. I like Wong. He is the greatest. Yeah. Yeah. Wong makes the movie. Yes. He's become like almost like the Stanley replacement, you know, Mm, where like he kind of like pops in like a little bit in every movie and you're like, oh, ha ha. All right. Wrapping up our discussion on Space Monks. So we took a bit of a detour there, but. (laughs) Not really. Like common threads, they're warrior monks. 
right? They have powers. Mm-hmm. Lack of balance. Lack of balance is usually their downfall mm-hmm. in some way. They're either in Catholic mode or or Eastern mystic model. Yeah. You know, but like those are the two models that we have. You know, there's nothing in between. <laughs> they exist even in strangely atheistic universes. Mm-hmm. It's like yes. M- monasticism can exist. <laughs> For some reason, monasticism persists even when we've outgrown the need for religion itself. Monasticism yeah. persists. Just like a, you know, Star Trek universe. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Right. Like, yeah. Like even in Roddenberry's very atheistic universe, like he created a whole race of monks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and a society. Right. The Federation Society that is the closest fictional portrayal to the Christian ideal society that I've ever seen. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's strangely... <laughs> You can't escape God's providence, folks. That's the answer. That's the end of that lecture. Uh, all right, on to our game. Recently, we did the reverse sci-fi property draft. This was basically we were choosing the nine worst sci-fi properties that, like, we wouldn't want to like take creative control director of. So now we're doing that, uh, but now it's the best. So out of the list that we have left, which ones would you choose? Would you really want to be director of? Start with Dan. I'm just going to go with what everybody would expect of me right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. I'm going for Doctor Who. I'm Doctor, going for Doctor okay. Who. There is a lot to recommend with that pick as the number one for creative control. Partially because if you really screw it up, you can always just two years later do a new Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you yeah. really like... F it up. <laughs> like you can always, yeah. like it's got a built in mechanic for rebooting. <laughs> it does. It does. But that's part of why I like it. And I would love to create over several doctors mm-hmm. because we've now very well established that the doctor can regenerate into any form of human. Yeah. And so the creative license that gives you and the acting casting choices that gives you. Mm-hmm. And they've even opened up how the companions can work and who they can be much, much more. Yeah. Purely to satisfy my creative mind, Doctor Who has it over the other choice that Drew knew I would have taken. Mm -hmm. So there you go. And you have all of time and space to play with. It's kind of like picking the solid middle linebacker in Mm -hmm. in football. You know, like it's not like the flashy wide receiver. That's your left tackle that you take with the fifth overall pick because you know you need it. It's like a left tackle or like a middle linebacker. Like it's solid. It's not going anywhere. It's versatile. It's Now they are speaking an alien language. Yes, I know. But it's no idea what you're I get this, yeah. Right? Okay. It's, yeah. It's, it's a solid pick. Go for it. Then. Yeah. Drew with number two. I'm going Marvel. Okay. You're going to MCU. Mm. Okay. Because strictly no more movies. Mm-hmm. Everything is a TV show. You can do so many different comic books. Yep. I would choose that specifically over Star Trek mm-hmm. because of the broadness of the universe. Like, hey, there's this one storyline from Guardians of the Galaxy. Hey, Mm -hmm. here's the Cancerverse. Here's Nova. Here's, you know, all these other different ways of doing it. Whereas with Star Trek, not to say you're limited to, like, the scope of it, but you kind of are. And, like, because there's not enough lore or source material, I would go with Mm -hmm. Marvel. And, And I think the Marvel audience would be more forgiving of your experimentation. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do agree that the turn toward television shows is the right direction. This is the thing when it first started, right? It was first Joss Whedon was like first doing creative control over it. And Joss Whedon was a television guy, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so like even the movies, 
when we were doing like the phase one through four, like they phase one and two felt very television-y. Phase one, not as much, but phase two, absolutely. Every movie was just a two and a half hour episode. Mm. Yeah. And every phase led up to a season finale, which mm. was the Avengers mm. movie. And it felt very television-like. The whole Thanos arc, like from beginning mm-hmm. to end, felt yeah. very television-y. So like even the movies, this was both their like criticism and their strength right like it was a television show like even in movie form and yeah. so now that it actually is television shows it's like oh okay like nothing has changed <laughs> like it has reached its natural medium <laughs> now that we've arrived here <laughs> here it shall rest right yeah, yeah. so absolutely taking over marvel and yep. no more movies yeah okay yeah okay i will take star trek because it's my favorite although i will note that this pick does have like any high round pick, there are downsides. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has many of the same fan base risks that Star Wars has. <laughs> That's what happens with the third overall. Yeah, that, right. Yeah, it's still risky. Yes, it's you have risky, a lot of talent but, there. But there's but... a lot of upside. There's yep. a lot of upside because the like environment in terms of like the streaming platforms is perfect for Star Trek. Yeah. You know, like, my God, we have reached like, <laughs> we have finally reached this moment where like, it can be freed from to be like the, the cornerstone franchise television on a major network, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you can just put it on a streaming platform and like done, <laughs> you know, good. Strange new world is awesome. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Like it's everything I wanted a Star Trek to be for a long time. <laughs> it's both going back to what I think Star Trek's best at, which is monster of the week episodes, mm-hmm. but like it's doing new things with monster of the week Absolutely. episodes. Yeah. And it's, Maintaining the best of season long story arc, right? That you're still getting contiguous character development through. They took what was good about DS9, Mm -hmm. which was DS9 really introduced like continuous character development in a Star Trek show. They've taken that good part of DS9, yeah, and kind of put it back into that old show, that old monster of the week, yeah, monster of the week with with devout optimism, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think they're hitting their stride. I guess I would say, like, property-wise, it's kind of like, keep the Discovery people doing what they're doing. Keep the... Lower Decks. Keep the Lower Decks people doing what they're doing. Keep Strange New Worlds doing what they're doing. I also think there's a lot of room for, like, advancing the storyline into the next piece, Mm -hmm. into the kind of Lower Decks 2400s, you know, like, early 2400s. The next piece of Federation history, you can move forward. Discovery set that ability... By mm. having them shoot forward so far into the future. Yeah. Now they've established that there is a... There's some drama to come. Cut to come. So yeah. they could start, they definitely can start exploring that. Picard. Right. The new form of Borg. Right. That's a whole thing to explore. Where has she been the new Borg queen? All yeah. these... You know, right. All these times. Yeah. Right. So there's, there's opportunity to develop. There's opportunity to do new things. They just got to like commit to the new things, mm-hmm. which I think is their weakness. I don't really like that Picard is jettisoning basically all these new characters for like the original cast. Oh, for the third <laughs> yeah. season. Yeah, for yeah. the third. Like, I don't really like, no, like, I get why they're doing it. Yes. I'll watch it. Definitely. Yeah. Like, it's a good way to get me to watch it. Don't get me wrong. But like, we had all these good characters in the first, like, new characters yeah. in the first two seasons. Like, don't lose them. They are a really good character. Right. So- like, develop them quite well. And they're new, and it's nice to see new. It's you know? fresh. Right. Yeah. And so. 
I want to see the Klingon Empire from the perspective of Klingons. Not Worf, but Alexander having to grow up doing flashbacks to when he was on Earth. And how he's like really a joke, but he's like a joke everybody likes in the Klingon yeah, Empire. Yeah. You know, like what does it mean to be like a wimpy warrior in the Klingon <laughs> Empire? You know, like, yeah. like these are all things. <laughs> But in the origins of the Klingon Empire, you know, Kalos. Right. Let's have two or three movies about Kalos and his rise to power. Mm-hmm. And right. The same thing with Vulcan. You know, let's explore that Vulcan history. So you've got the fan base problem, which could be a real downside. Don't get me wrong. But if you ignore, if you just tell them to shut up. <laughs> well, that's why you just don't. <laughs> You're right. Lean into what's good and what's the new stuff. Mm-hmm. This is a exciting era for Star Trek. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like we're finally getting like new stuff. It also you know. helps that Paramount Plus is absolutely banking on Star Trek to keep yeah. their platform yeah. alive. Right, to keep the, yeah. right, and they're banking on it, and so they're willing to put money in it. All right, so Dan, for your second round pick. Second round pick, I am going to go with Firefly. Damn it! <laughs> I thought I was going to sneak through. <laughs> and for exactly the opposite reason of why I like Doctor Who as my number one, my first round pick, mm-hmm. because it has a very constrained universe so does. whereas Doctor Who, I could let my creativity go wild. There are firm rules in this universe. Right. There's not even like intergalactic travel in Firefly. No. It's set in like one star system. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah, no hyperlight travel, very gritty, major bureaucracy. There's mm-hmm. been a rebellion. I mean, there's, there's so much, but it's very constrained. So I would have to have a lot of creative discipline. Yeah. Which is a wonderful creative challenge in and of itself. Right. So that's yeah. why I would go with Firefly. Yeah. You'd have the difficulty of it. You'd be living up to the original's expectations. Yeah. Which would be the hard, the hard part there, which is why it's a good second round pick. Yeah. Like, but somebody's got to do it because they're not going to let Joss Whedon touch no, it. No, they're not going to let. Right. Rightfully so. And like we're getting to the point where like we can't bring back Nathan Fillion as much as we want to because those characters are just aging. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. it'd have to be the next generation. It'd have to be the next thing, right? But we could bring back an entire show about Wash if he didn't die. <laughs> Joss Whedon did this thing where, like, he's a sociopath, you know? And so, like, <laughs> like, you just knew that, like, your favorite beloved character was going to die because he couldn't help but do that to you, yeah. Yeah. you know? Love this person, and I will rip your heart out. And I will rip your heart out and kill him, yeah. literally. <laughs> True. Mm. I'm gonna stick with Indiana Jones. Okay. To just rewrite it in a different way. Okay. First of all, a woman's lead character. Oh. So you're like totally new direction. That totally be... new direction. Ah, okay. That would be fascinating. Yes. Indiana has a daughter. And it's not a spoiled brat like his son. No. And well, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> he never existed. Child love. No, he 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 died in some accident. <laughs> Wow, that would be be almost Tomb Raider, but better. Yes, <laughs> much right? better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amelia Clark. Mm. Oh wow, mm-hmm. that could work. That yeah, could this work. is a good show. I would watch this. Yeah. yeah, Indiana is her father, but he died, so she has to find a way to figure out what he was doing. That's right, gotta mm-hmm. find out what he was doing, mm-hmm. and then she keeps doing it. Yeah, yep. man. Yeah, good job, sir. Yeah, fabulous. Hollywood, call right. Yeah. Hollywood. Call now. These ideas can be yours. Right. These ideas can be yours. Okay. I'm going to go out and take a wild pick and take Predator Universe. Oh, okay. Elucidate. This is a hard one to actually screw up. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Right. The basic theory of the Predator Universe can be redone ad infinitum to the end of the universe, which is Predator hunts warrior of some kind. (laughs) You know, you could repeat this, rinse, wash, repeat until (laughs) the sun goes out. (laughs) 
<laughs> Predator hunts Greek warrior. Predator hunts Roman legionary. Predator versus Deadpool. Right. Predator. <laughs> you can like insert anything you want here. Predator versus MCU characters. Predator versus MC Hammer. MC Hammer. Right. Whatever. I mean, you know, but like Predator, insert warrior here. I don't know if you saw the preview for the new Predator, but it was like Predator hunts Native American warriors, yeah, basically. Yeah. And like, this is what kind of inspired me. It's like, yes, just <laughs> redo this basic storyline forever <laughs> yeah so you're saying episodic like monster of the week kind of thing well i mean they'd be movies this would be truly movie it wouldn't be television so they're doing predator hunts native americans mm-hmm. you know the next one is predator hunts world war ii soldier predator mm-hmm. hunts world war one soldier nazis right predator versus nazis right that could be a flip side where you're like you're rooting for the predator like, <laughs> that's the only one where yeah. you want yeah, the predator right. to win <laughs> yeah like the, right that would be the gritty like reboot that like the predator is the good guy <laughs> yes like, you know you're like yeah <laughs> predator fights again like robin legionary right mm-hmm. like predator just get russell crowe to play gladiator and like predators hunting him you could do this for all time. Yeah. It would be a movie I would watch. <laughs> I might not like pay in the theater every time for it, but if you got the right actor, this is the secret. You got to get the right actor mm-hmm. to play the person that the predator is hunting. If you did that the right time, every moment, every time, it'd be great. You know, count me in. $100 million movie every time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So for the last round, Dan. So in the third round, you. Last time you just did a completely out of left field pick. Yeah. So this is what I'm expecting from Dan. <laughs> All right. Game of Thrones. Really? Yes. Hmm. Okay. If for nothing else than to redo the last three episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We're starting off right where the final season left off. <laughs> We're just redoing yep. the entire final season. <laughs> yep. Why is that the truth? <sighs> from a creative standpoint, there's so much other stuff you can explore. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, 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 yeah. But- Yes, I would start with redoing the final season. Yes. We're, just, we're calling everybody back. <laughs> Re-up your contracts, Redo. folks. It was all a dream. Right. <laughs> this season never happened. <laughs> we shall no longer speak of it. Yeah, that's the big budget one. They're coming out with the new thing and the dragons and can't go wrong, right? I mean, assuming they actually go all the way through with it. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. that all right. starts already. Well, right. look at Matt Smith. I feel bad for him because remember he he was supposed to be uh, a Knight of Ren mm-hmm. in the eighth movie, and then they completely scrapped his character and didn't come back. And hopefully, it doesn't happen again with this dragon thing. But. Yeah, yep. <laughs> this dragon thing. I love. Who are you going for, Drew? I'm gonna go with a Sony Marvel verse because just to like own it and just to like absorb it. It's like a really late round pick. I'm not expecting anything out of mm. it. I just got to do it because no one else would like take my pick from me. Right. To translate it into the basketball universe. Like you don't need it to be a 40 minute star like no. LeBron James. You need it to be like nine minute rotation guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You could reboot Fantastic Four with yeah. stick figure drawings and it'd be yeah. better than what Sony's done. So. Yeah. I, right. I need a third down running back. I don't need my first and second down running back. Right. You I don't just need, need a guy who can absorb yards at once exactly. in a while. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he can block. But. Right. Maybe you can block. Right. And that is the advantage to it, if you want to put it that way, that like, you know, Tom Hardy's like pretty all right as Venom. You yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, you don't need yeah. to be great. Like, just keep doing it. Do the whole story arc where um, Venom goes to the actual Venom home planet right. and like cures himself. For my final pick, I will take, for the synergy's sake, I'm going to take Alien, the Alien verse. Also, I, I would have taken Dune, but there's a limited window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? There's only two more movies yeah. or one yeah. more movie or whatever it is. 
you know, even if he does Dune Messiah, which he said he wants to do, you know, I thought the degree of difficulty was hard on Dune. <laughs> the degree of difficulty is harder on Dune Messiah, you know. <laughs> You're not going much further than that. So while this podcast has a policy of and Dennis we trust, you know, <laughs> I still am hesitant on Dune. It's just too hard. Alien, however... I'm really taking on the strength of Michael Fassbender as David. <laughs> Solely why I'm taking it at yeah. this point. Like, I, I, that's a brilliant character and he plays it well. Yeah. If, if I'm getting that, there's at least some potential, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, in it. And I'll just be honest, I kind of liked Prometheus and I kind of liked the alien, the most recent one. They weren't bad. I wish there was more to them, but they weren't bad. Yeah. And so that's kind of going to be where I'll go. You know, they're not bad. <laughs> I'll go with that. So what went undrafted? Dune, Final Fantasy, Terminator. Hmm. Kind of fits. Kind yeah. of fits, yeah. right? Yeah. Dune's about the only one that, like, you might sign that one later as a free agent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing with Final Fantasy, talk about, like, an automatic rinse, wash, repeat yeah. till the end of time. You could do that again till the sun goes out. Yeah. And Terminator's played itself out. There's only so many ways that, yeah. you know, Skynet can figure out that its past has been manipulated and... <laughs> Yes, there's only so many ways that can can happen. Yeah. All right. Well, that has been Church in Space, folks. In 3D. Thank you. Hey, Dan. Yeah, Drew. Did you bring the baseball bat? Do you own a baseball bat? No. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be shocked if you did. It's a sports thing. I don't own sports things. I'd be surprised if there's actually one in possession. I'd be... I'd honestly be surprised if you... Yeah. All right. Yeah, I guess that's our best ending yet, because it's true. <laughs> <laughs>